The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The DSPs have another problem. Where are they storing all your songs? And Twitter on fire. You're listening to The The Biz Biz Tape. Welcome to the Biz Tape, your all things music business and media podcast. I'm your host, Colin McKay, with my lovely co-host, Coast to Coast, Joseph Wazaleski. Joe, how are we doing? Doing amazing. We're yep. doing great. We're doing, uh, here, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll peel, peel back the curtain a little bit. We're doing a double episode. No, because... this is one week later. We're... Oh, okay, okay. okay sorry. Shh, 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 uh, don't tell him. Uh, this is past Joe. Uh, jumping to the future. I thought you hated when I do that, where I was like, this is me talking from technically the past, but you're listening to it in the future. And so, like, technically, I am talking to you. Oh, you know what? Let's break the facade. We are recording two episodes back to back. But the point is, is that I'm trying to say is there was so much news that we have to talk about past news, but then it's good for the future because it's going to add mm-hmm. up to stuff and you're listening to it in the future. And we're recording this in the past to have this episode yeah. for a future time. Yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, it, it yeah. should, the continuum should hold up. But yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it confusing. Anyway, moving on. Um, I guess we, it's weird. I, this episode, I, Joe and I usually just kind of look at stories by ourselves and, Mm -hmm. um, like come together and be like, Oh, what'd you get? And, uh, usually we put them in the same document. So we know we're not doing the same thing. So I'll look at like a title, but it seems like we are doing this week unintentionally themed. We're talking about the Twitter business model. It seems like, yeah, and we can go into it a little bit, but like, how about Joe? Tell us what the hell Twitter's doing, and then I can tell you some interesting theories that go into the music business and how Twitter may be affecting monetization. So, yeah, tell me, tell me what Colin. the hell well, Elon's done. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, let me tell you right now. It's just um, every. It's just a normal day because uh, Twitter's on fire. <laughs> 
Uh, and it's it is um, weird. Like every day crashing. is like that. <laughs> uh, it's just a normal day. Twitter's on fire. People lost their jobs. <laughs> it's, it's no big deal or anything. Yeah, yeah, but uh, Twitter has been in chaos since its transfer of power to a uh, billionaire philanthropist. Not philanthropist. I, I feel like that's. I mean, I'm sure man. he does some uh, philanthropy. Billionaire, yeah. something or other, Elon Musk. <laughs> and as more and more changes are happening within the company, the more complicated the situation becomes. Okay. So. Prior to last week, Twitter stated that it was removing blue check marks from legacy verified users on April 1st. April so Fools. It, Sorry, yeah, God. April Fools. April <laughs> no, Fools. No, Day. It, it was real. That was, a, that was a terrible time to announce that. Can we talk about that? Because this is insane. And I can't believe that they're doing this. And then on top of that, we're like, do it on April 1st. They literally did it, and people were clowning so bad. But I like, didn't think uh, it was it real. Was, it was. <laughs> Colin, I, it somehow became an unintentional April Fool's joke <laughs> that they were switching to a payment method for a badge um, because uh, April Fool's came around and the company updated the language in the description of the verified users so that now you cannot tell who is paying or who isn't Sick. Paying. Thanks, Elon. Shady, shady stuff, Elon. Um, that being said... Um, Legacy acts that, like legacy accounts, uh, that were like kind of grandfathered into the program. There's like some that will keep their badge, but most everybody um, is being forced to pay for one. Uh, so what's even more interesting is that there's there's two tiers, right? There's the the normie tier, uh, which is eight dollars to eleven dollars uh, per month, which they God, can't even fucking expensive. decide on. <laughs> That's ex- wait, wait, you're it's right. It's expensive as fuck. Eight to eleven dollars. What is eight that? Eight to eleven dollars for a fake check mark. Call. Can you wait? So like what? Like if I do it, they're like Joe's too cool. He's ten dollars. But Colin's kind of yeah, lame. No, He's eight dollars. See, that's the thing. It's like there's no no one fucking knows. <laughs> can you imagine if Netflix was? Can you imagine if Netflix was like, they're hey, like, uh, this is seventeen to twenty dollars a month, and you're like, excuse me. <laughs> They're like, yeah, it really depends on the vibe. We talked to the guru in the corner about it. Did you bring you ladies? Know, we'll just, it's $17. We'll um, they sacrifice a goat. If it's, it's a like group of dudes, it's $25. Anyway, keep going. Um, um, but they have a second payment tier, which is uh, the company non-normie tier, which is for programs and no. businesses and organizations. That is a, a, a simple little charge of $1,000 <laughs> per month. Are you kidding me? For That's a verification not... badge, which which these are... Colin, Colin, but I these... I didn't read any of this. These, Colin, 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 Colin. I didn't read any these, of these are different colors. <laughs> so gold is for brands. And companies and nonprofits, while gray Ooh. is for governments because governments sad. <laughs> governments sad and gray. <laughs> There's so many problems with this, and we have to so, remember it's April first that they said it's this. It's so bad, dude. So, Variety reports that the company will Holy waive shit. that fee for its 500 largest ad clients, of fucking course, and. <laughs> 10,000 of the most followed brands, companies, and organizations that have been previously verified. 
And on Sunday, the gold verification badge for the New York Times was removed on Twitter, which many people are saying was calculated after an exchange on the platform between Musk and the company turned very, very fucking petty. So the rundown, (laughs) the rundown, the company account uh, of the New York Times tweeted that it wouldn't be paying for it, which Musk replied, quote, Oh, okay, we'll take it off then. Then later, Musk tweeting, quote, New York Times is being incredibly, he actually said, is being incredible hypocritical here. (laughs) Uh, As they are super aggressive about forcing everyone to pay their subscription. So the New York Times reaffirmed that they will not be paying, as well as the Los Angeles Times, political, LeBron James, the White House, and many more celebrities and public if personalities. I, it, it's not like, but I don't, if you had, right, if I had like a New York Times subscription and then I went, I'm not going to renew my subscription. It's not like the New York Times would be like, so we're taking it away right now. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, what mm-hmm. the Here's the thing. Uh, the New York Times still has free content that you can consume. Um, and it's it's like their verified website. You okay. know? Like you can tell if it's a verified website for the New York Times. You can't tell if it's a verified Twitter account without a fucking verification badge. It is true. Yeah. On like a first glance, I mean, you can kind of tell with follower count, I, I guess, just, but like with bot farms this. and stuff now, it's yeah, it's crazy. Um, and and of course, of course, Colin, uh, the reason that they're wanting uh, to change it to a paid system, wait, that it Elon can't get says worse, it's not it? because of money, Colin. It's not because of money. It's because he is trying to combat the bot issue. Why won't he leave this alone? He's oh trying, my yeah. god. So, so you want to know some more changes, Colin? To there's really just more show how changes on fire. Yo, there's a lot more. <laughs> I, so, look, Musk when we get into stated, my story, I'm sorry. When we get into my story, I only knew one part of this, and I was like, "This I, is ridiculous. Colin, I, I cannot I believe like, we're doing this." <laughs> I went down a rabbit hole on all of this. Okay, show I guess. Because what else insane. are we doing, Joe? So, <laughs> Musk. Musk stated that starting April 15th, Twitter will only recommend paid content for the For You page, which is on the scroll page what? that appears when it's first opening the app. So the main homepage, uh, it, will, it will recommend paid content. Um, and don't worry, don't worry. You'll see some people. Um, but if you're not a verified paid user, oh, well, your content's not going to be seen all that much. Because another change being floated around is that if you aren't that paid user, yes, your content will have a less uh, will be less likely of being seen on the feeds of accounts who follow you. So, and that's on the follow page. Wait, uh, run that or, back. Or Say not, that again. I guess I'm confused. So there's two pages, right? There's there's okay. the for you, there's the for you page essentially, which clearly it's it's for people who pay. It's page. gonna be ads it's gonna yeah. be at it's gonna be a lot like instagram is now where it's like i can't fucking see anybody that i actually want to see instead i'm getting shoved the same ad 30 times in my face okay that's basically what's gonna happen and then on the uh friendship page or the follow page uh that is where you're gonna be seeing more of like the content that you follow um but the they're, they're saying page. that it's only going to like the paid content's only going to be on that for you feed however 
most likely that will change depending on where you're spending the most of your time on the app. So if you're just switching to the follow page, uh, chances are you will start getting ads for that sooner or later if everybody else starts doing that as well. So like, um, if also, you want to use 50% of Twitter is basically what you're telling me. Because you know, it's like, yeah. I follow 50% of because Twitter for a lot my of friends' Twitter random is like tweets. People, and then 50% yeah. for like other fun content creators. So they're like, yeah, if you want to see the fun 50% of Twitter, you have to go to this side and the other fun yeah. 50% for this side. And then yeah, because why, as you, you know, it. Colin, as you know, websites making it harder for people to get what they want always oh, do yeah. well. In Absolutely, the baby. Um, so uh, another change, uh, he changed the logo to a Dogecoin logo. Uh, which he Wait. is currently facing a two hundred and fifty-eight billion dollar lawsuit did he, for. Did he change the Twitter? He changed the Twitter logo <laughs> to Dogecoin. <laughs> I'm not making that. I up. I thought it was like look, his personal Kong, logo or Kong, something. Go to your phone. Okay, look it up right now. <laughs> he changed the Twitter. Okay, so if I look up what if I go on Twitter or like what? Yeah, go just open Twitter, and it's Dogecoin. Not anymore. Nah, dog. What am it's I there. missing? Bro, the for you and the follow page is horrendous. I never would notice that. I would always be on the for you page. Did you click on it? Do you see it? It's on the it's it's on the top. <laughs> I see the the bird. I don't see it. You see the doge? bird? You don't see the doge? I, I have Maybe the doge they changed on desktop. It. Maybe they found out that wasn't a good idea. And Oh um, no, it's 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 still there for me. So I, I guess it's not changed for everybody, but uh, just so you know, uh, listeners who are sticking through this. Dude, uh, they've already cut event. the price, too. Uh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's bad. For me, it's $11 uh, a month right now, which is they've already cut the price. That's how bad this is doing. They've cut it by a third. Mm-hmm. It's day so, two you know, or day three of this. So just so you know, like the, Do- the Dogecoin thing uh you know because like the whole dogecoin like uh flood doge like we're taking it to the moon happened on reddit and twitter for the most part um and uh elon musk uh, was the one who's tweeting out uh by dogecoin which he's now currently facing a 258 billion dollar lawsuit uh which alleged that he ran a pyramid scheme to support dogecoin because he put a shit ton of money into it uh had tweeted about it had people flood in a bunch Went of money on SNL and then he and pulled out about it. Yep. <laughs> uh, and yeah, that was a big thing that definitely happened. Uh, and he definitely knew about Twitter's mobile um, apps were changed, by the way. That's what it says. Okay. So if you went to the actual website, it would have Dogecoin. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Important yeah. to note. We, we um, you do not have to pay Twitter. Sorry, do I need to pay my Twitter Blue subscription so I can be in the for you page of this uh, podcast? Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, you gotta fork it over, buddy. Yeah, right. You gotta Venmo that shit to me. Um, another change that is being uh, or uh, no, not that. This is uh, yeah. Okay, so essentially, Musk wants to funnel ads directly in front of your face uh, so that point two percent of all users, which are ads will be prioritized than actual creators for the app. Um, So Vox states, quote, a major part of social media's appeal in the past two decades of its existence is the idea that anyone from anywhere at any time could go viral. 
for better or worse. And in turn, users see the most compelling engagement-worthy media. Companies like Meta, TikTok, and YouTube are in the business of carefully fine-tuning algorithms that recommend the content that they know will click on or will get clicks, whether that's cat videos, political debates, or beauty tutorials. A major part of Twitter's appeal was about seeing random interactions between powerful people and everyday citizens, like someone seeing a tweet from a senator, replying to it, and actually getting a reply back. That's pretty astute. If Musk starts making it harder for an average user to stumble on and participate in viral exchanges, he's taking away the basic democratic promise of social media um also (laughs) uh since taking over the app musk has been boosting his tweets (laughs) uh on the platform uh and has since been boosting other people's tweets uh such as lebron james ben shapiro aoc and uh many more people that he deems uh vip accounts uh, that basically create discourse, discourse and engagement on the platform. Um, Vox also goes on to state that a lot of these projected changes uh, that Musk is planning on doing might not happen because Musk tends to change his mind. Well, it is happening. The Last Dogecoin minute. is the... I just went to Twitter in the browser, and that has happened, so we... We live in a Dogecoin world now on Twitter. Uh, if we you're do. Twitter browsing, God. Doge supremacy. Uh, so, I don't even know where to begin with this. Like, oh uh, well, Colin, I want to ask you a question. Uh, do not. You're going to pay for question. that blue check? I knew you were going to ask me this. You paying no, for it? I wasn't even using oh. Twitter again. I thought I try. We have talked about this on the show. I have legitimately tried to use Twitter a couple times, and every time I'm mm-hmm. like. All right, that's over. And it's, never it's have I been worst. like, I need to pay more money for this. And um, that's the problem. It's man. like, for me, it's like, if I'm ranking social media at the bottom, it's like 4chan. And then above that is Twitter. And then the rest of them are like, uh, you know, kind of maybe I would Facebook. say at my top, which I don't know. You could kind of count this as social media, I guess, because thanks, Google Plus. Remember that? Um, YouTube. Uh, because, like, Long YouTube would probably Google be my Plus. Top. I do pay for YouTube, so it's just like that would have to be my top one. And then on top of that, um, I'd probably say Google, like, Google Plus is my second. Now, uh, YouTube, um, I'd say, I want to say Instagram, but it might be TikTok now. Um, and probably facebook after that i'm not a big twitter user like uh, and then linkedin i guess you know like (laughs) um man linkedin outranking twitter (laughs) (laughs) that's that's crazy honestly i I just lost so many points with people i just lost so many fucking points with people because (laughs) i just ranked linkedin above twitter no like (laughs) I, just, I, I'm waiting for the day LinkedIn has its secret takeover of Instagram because Instagram will die and then LinkedIn will, will start being like the influencer palace. I, honestly, if anything, LinkedIn would take over Twitter, <laughs> right? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, that merger would make more sense than anything else. But just, my thing people, is, people have out-of-pocket tweets, so maybe not. 
Yeah. But I've also seen some crazy Twitter, LinkedIn posts. The thing about Twitter that sucks for them is that their their content is the king of me seeing it everywhere else. I have never had to mm-hmm. go to Twitter to find stuff ever. Like No, it's on Reddit. It's just like it's in a It's TikTok, on Reddit and it's funnier. Or it's on it's Instagram on <laughs> or it's on a YouTube video. You know what I mean? Like it's never somewhere else and like or it's always somewhere else. And so like that's what one of the things that makes a blue check mark very difficult for me personally as a user to pay for. I think I don't use Twitter enough. I don't know a lot of people that use it enough to justify buying this. Um, I think the thing with Twitter, which is interesting is the marketing of it has been so strange. I can't even remember what you get for Twitter blue. I can just remember what you lose now as a consumer and you gain regular features back as a Twitter user. That's what mm-hmm. Twitter Blue... And I know Twitter Blue has other features. I just don't remember them. And it, I just cannot believe... Like, the thing about it that I cannot believe is how expensive it is. Like, it, yeah. that is astronomically expensive. Like, I... Well, yeah, it's 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 outrageously expensive and it's something that like is collectively agreed upon I think in the entertainment industry as well as like main so, industry people like this that question. like nobody's going to pay for it because there's no value there's no value in it. Twitter Twitter is like a is it's is like I don't know if if maybe he's just like an evil genius or something and he's just like he's trying to run Twitter into the ground um, in order to like get this like last bit of money out of it. But I feel like he's lost so much money already in this venture. I think he's just I think it was valued the hole. other day that he has lost that Twitter has lost 50 percent of its value. From what yeah, he it's it. it's insane. And like, Colin, do you think he's running Twitter into the ground? I mean, do you think it's going to die? Uh, I just, I don't think it's going to die. I just think it's going to become like, you know, a shell of what it is. Because I think there is a demand for a text-based platform. Is it going to be Tumblr? Is it going to turn into Tumblr? Well, no, because people, (laughs) and I guess not safe for work warning. Um, the thing with Tumblr that killed Tumblr is honestly that Verizon bought Tumblr or was it T-Mobile? I can't remember. They bought Tumblr and they tried to clean Tumblr up and that is what murdered Tumblr, which is really funny to me. Um, and if you know what people use Tumblr for, you could put together what I'm saying. Um, but anyway, like let's go to the blue check mark because here's my thing. And people really liked this question before when we talked about it with Spotify and we talked about changing prices. So I'm going to ask you, Joe, throw me a number that you would pay for Twitter blue. It can be outrageously cheap. How much would you pay a month for Twitter blue? A month? A month. Mm. I would pay $0. You got to get like, so it's got to be so little Right, like that. I I, even... I literally see zero value in getting Twitter Blue. I would say, at least for myself personally. I would say if I actually like to use Twitter, like I'm saying, maybe like because there's a bunch of fields that if, use. If Twitter. I have so like if if I have like a million followers, is that what you're asking? Well, me? I'm thinking about content creators that thrive on Twitter. For instance, like comedians thrive on Twitter. 
right? Um, mm-hmm. they, they, a lot of them have even admitted they use Twitter to try out jokes and stuff like that. A lot of people have fan bases on Twitter from like being like, imagine if I was a comedy guy, right? Or maybe I was a news journalist, right? For instance, and people like my opinions and op-eds I write and stuff, and they want to see what I comment on other news on top of me sharing my own stories, right? I'm trying to think what that would be. But at the end of the day, I would say that's a business cost, right? And so I can't even justify it personally. I want to say that if you're a real Twitter user, I think Twitter Blue is probably worth $3 a month. Something like that, three dollars. Like, $3. that's what I think. Yeah, maybe two, two, three. Like two to three dollars, because like, it's just none of this content. But here's the thing: you pay like three dollars a month for Google Drive, and you get like, like an insane amount of storage. Oh yeah, and I know that's that's like almost comparing like a horse to a blade of grass, but it is like. It is something that's like that has such a higher value <laughs> for so cheap. And it's like I don't see any other social media platform okay. being like you have to pay us for these things. I do think it's interesting because I actually I just opened Twitter, you know, to see my Dogecoin uh, logo. And one of my favorite mm-hmm. content creators, Eddie Burback, just created a very interesting conversation, which is that, you know how you mentioned that people who had a legacy verified account could have Twitter blue, like, and they would just have mm-hmm. it. Um, he just tweeted out, he goes, he tweeted the picture that says this is a verified account because it's subscribed to Twitter blue or is a legacy verified account. And Eddie Burback goes, oh God, this is way worse than taking the check mark. I did not pay Elon. I would rather die. Because people are going to think that he paid for the blue check mark, but he didn't because he's a verified legacy account. <laughs> so there's probably people that are like, I don't want to be associated with helping Twitter. And now dude, they're just so stuck many, with it. Even, dude, I was reading a thing. Even Jack Black was like, Yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that. And then, it is weird, and right? Like, we have to have he's this like, whole I think it's like kind of cool. He's like, I think it's kind of cool that you don't even have a verification badge now. Like, who cares anymore? I think it's so funny because it seems like people are basically fighting to prove that they're not paying for this service, which yeah. is so weird. Which is the opposite of what you want. Yeah, as, which is what he uh, wants. Is, you know, like uh, another one. Here's Patton Oswald. I'm sure I'm not the only one to post this, but holy fuck, I'm not a Twitter blue subscriber and never will be. That said, it's fun seeing Elon this fucking sad and depressed W. Like literally people <laughs> all over are saying, I don't want to be a Twitter blue user. Like that's how much they disdain this because one, Elon's associated and two, how bad the rollout for this is. I See, just, Colin, the problem is, here's how we're going to solve it. Elon's going to give Twitter blue to everyone. That way, everyone's verified, and that'll defeat the bots. Okay, would he need... Uh, honestly, <laughs> honestly, just... I, 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 this is not a joke, and I want to preface that because I think it could actually work, <laughs> noting that the insanity that Elon Musk and how we all expect it. He needs to go... This has been an April Fool's joke that has lasted for three days. <laughs> don't don't laugh. This I, I swear to God, he could get away with this. He could go, yeah, we were just joking. 
It was uh, April 1st, and then it became April so. 2nd, and we forgot <laughs> about so. it. I think his joking is like, it's so gone at this point. I Okay, so let's go back to, and it actually goes into my next story, which let's go back to the, the thing. So we have the users, right? Which will pay eight to eleven dollars per month. Oh, I misread you. I thought it was higher than that. Eight to eleven. Apparently, I have to pay eleven dollars. So fuck me, I guess. Um, but anyway, <laughs> like eight to eleven dollars. So that's so weird. I'm guessing also part of that is Apple tax because I would imagine because it's on. That's probably what it is. Now that I put it together because Android and okay, users at home if. You haven't heard me talk about this. Android, Google Store, Apple, Apple Store, they have a tax that they use on all app developers for in-app purchases, which is actually what Fortnite sued over, if you remember that lawsuit. And it's about 30%, which would add up math-wise here. And it basically increases all the prices on App Store stuff, which is why is that if you have the option not to subscribe through your iPhone, I would suggest doing that because it's probably cheaper if you go onto your computer and sign up because all these people just add in the price to the subscription fee. Actually, YouTube Premium is a great example of this. It costs more money to subscribe via YouTube Premium than it does if you go on YouTube on your web browser. Isn't that interesting? And so I think mm-hmm. now that I'm thinking about it, that's the eight to eleven dollars. Is that you probably pay eight in a browser and you probably pay eleven on your phone. Isn't mm-hmm. that kind of messed up? Um, but sure is. Anyway, let's, but, let's go to uh, the company thing real quick. Still not going to pay dollars. A thousand dollars a month. That is oh, insane. Yeah. What is the barrier well, for and, this? <laughs> what is the barrier for this? Like, I'm not joking. Like. Where, like let's let's talk about this. I understand the New York Times is a thousand dollars a month. Okay, I think in principle it's ridiculous, but the New York Times could do that. If I'm like, are we a thousand dollars a month? Because there's I no way so. that our podcast is paying a thousand dollars a month. You know I think I mean? if you're a business account, right? It's like, oh, it deems you to have a staff of eighty thousand people. <laughs> that, that then, like Elon doesn't account if you for have like two Elon. It's Elon a thousand, doesn't know. You know what I mean? Colin, like, Elon doesn't know what a small business is. <laughs> he's never had to. Uh, he's never had to go to a small business before. Well, he, he, he's he's only woken up uh, in his uh, his PayPal palace <laughs> and walked through the halls of PayPal before they acquired Venmo so, and became anyway, worse. This April Fool's joke that just keeps on going, I don't think it's a good idea. And it's I see no organizations that are really thrilled about this in any way. Again, this is the basis of he's taking away features to charge for it. I don't think anybody's thrilled so about it. Can I take you on an adventure Elon. of my story? Because that's kind of what it goes on. But I think it's oh, a little yeah. bit more logistical, but it would still be a difficult ride. Um, let's go. Uh, let's go down the rabbit hole. Colin. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans, and yet there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from the Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the campaign moment right now, wherever you're listening.
Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash iHeart. That's lifelock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. 
Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. Here's my story. So basically, you're going to have to buckle up for this. So we're talking about Twitter Blue, right? And they're playing this game to get more revenue at the end of the day. Twitter doesn't make enough revenue. It never has made enough revenue. So the at the end of the day, we're trying to make enough revenue here. And Music Business Worldwide actually wrote about the story we just talked about and its ridiculousness. And one interesting idea they had maybe for the music business, but we don't know how well this is going, right? Like it does not seem to be going well. <laughs> In addition to having to pay for the blue check mark, by the way, one thing that Twitter actually takes away from you, which I thought was ridiculous, and Music Business Worldwide literally writes about this. Like, literally, the writer is so sarcastic and just being like, I can't believe I have to write about this. I think he literally says something like, but my family uh, is uh, counts on me to write words for money. So, like, literally, <laughs> that's how he writes the article. It's just so mad. And um, anyway, one of the features... Unlike, you know, just regular verification that used to be free, that Twitter is gatekeeping from people now and making people pay for, which I think is insane, is two-factor authentication to log in. What? Okay, so apparently, and Music Business Worldwide writes about this for themselves, too, is... One of the things to get people to pay Twitter blue is that they're holding two-factor authentication away. And if you're not a tech person or maybe you don't have this at your work or something like that or don't do it on any of your accounts, Music Business Worldwide puts it pretty bluntly. Two-factor authentication includes receiving a unique code each time you log in on a service in order to ensure that no one is hacking your account. So the idea is that if I tried to log in to something, you know, like my personal account, if I had two-factor authentication on, it would also send a message maybe to my phone or to my email, and I'd have to put that code in to prove as a double two-factor authenticator that it's really me. Companies mm-hmm. have had this for years as a service for their consumers and honestly to avoid headache from everybody else because at the end of the day it saves the company resources with dealing with hey my account got hacked or dealing with a bunch of negative feedback because they couldn't support fat it's it helps the company tremendously to have two-factor authentication and twitter is making you pay for it no one Mm -hmm. makes you pay for this yeah it's crazy yeah colin colin in elon's uh free market you have to pay in order to breathe oxygen. It basically, dude, like it, it would literally be like if they were like, hey, you're going to have to pay to re-verify your password, like to change your password. That's what it would be like. And so what's interesting about it is that, you know, Music Business Worldwide is pissed. I am pissed for them because that is ridiculous. And so they felt like they had to buy Twitter Blue to secure their, you know, account basically, because they have a bunch of people. If you're a business, right, you have a bunch of people that use your social media. So you need a bunch of people to verify 
who they are, right? And you have a bunch of, you need to verify it, right? It's an extra mm-hmm. step of security for the business. And nobody charges for it because it's just a feature that helps everybody. But what's interesting, and I think is an interesting conversation, is Music Business Worldwide basically says, is there a lesson that we can learn here from Elon Musk? Is there actually some way of selling an essential service that people are used to now by taking it away? Because what they start talking about is that Music Business Worldwide is like, hey, we didn't buy Twitter Blue because of the check mark or the features. We bought it because of the authentication because we, we as a business, ruled that we need this to function, mm-hmm. right? And so they kind of go on this interesting idea, and you're going to have to bear with me on it. And it has to do with Spotify. So let me take you down this. So they say, and you know, we have said it on the show as a statistic, is there's about 100,000 tracks a day that are uploaded to streaming services, which is so monumental amount of music. There's no way all this music will get listened to, right? And one thing we didn't really talk about in our conversations about these 100,000 tracks a day is that it requires an extreme, even though music now is extremely compressed and pretty low amounts of data, the amount of tracks that are being uploaded a day, it takes so much to store it all. And it costs Mm -hmm. money at the end of the day to store all of this, just like you were saying with the Google services thing, which funny enough, Spotify uses Google services to store a lot of their data, which you have to think about it. It's a little strange because... YouTube music and Google and are a direct competitor of Spotify, right? Mm-hmm. You don't, you, it's not like, but they're like the back end of it. <laughs> right. Isn't that weird? And so like Spotify is paying so much money for this, an astronomical amount of money. And we already talked about that. Spotify is trying to cut costs. Everybody wants them to cut margins or cutting employees, all this stuff. Music business worldwide estimates at a minimum, and they think this is a low estimate that Spotify last year paid Google $150 million to store all these songs. Holy shit. Because it's so much data. Like it is an, mm-hmm. it is an astronomical amount of data. Because if you think about it, Spotify has every song that you could ever think of most of the time. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm a nerd and sometimes I can beat it. So, ha, huh, no, it sucks. It's not a fun thing to have when you're like, God damn it, I want that song. Um, anyway, the cost of it is tremendous right now right but you got to think even worse we're getting all this ai music and uploading music is getting easier like we already talked about tiktok's distributing service that's free now sound on and stuff like that and it's it was already so easy and then we're not even talking about the ai driven songs that could literally just crank these out you don't even need a human being to do it right and Mm -hmm. so if you want a number, apparently there are over 158 million songs across streaming platforms in total. 158 million. And that Holy that's shit. a number from Luminate, which monitors industry streaming data and was once known as MRC data slash Nielsen Music. So they're a very reliable source for this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They're industry known. Again, 158 million songs in total are on all streaming services. They estimate, and this is a crazy thing, that 24% of those songs, or 38 million, have zero streams on them. Oh my God. Zero. Not one, zero. And then on top of that, 67 million 
of those 158 million have less than 10 streams. It's like, it's almost like how massive the, the galaxy is. It basically, yeah. It you know, it's like fashionable. Like you cannot yeah. even, you cannot even begin to try to like put this in perspective, right? Because it is so much time. And, and like, I'm talking about songs. I'm not even talking about time, right? That mm-hmm. is over 42% of music has less than 10 streams on streaming service. 42% of it has less than 10 yeah. streams. And I, and being generous, that's 10 people that have listened to these songs. That's probably just one person listening to it a couple of times, right? This means that for companies like Spotify, they're paying more and more and more money to store more and more infinite music that AI is now generating. It's getting easier to put songs on and it's not making money and it's not bringing consumers to the platform because they don't know it because they're not streaming it clearly. And it's not bringing, you know, if there's not more consumers to the platform, you're not getting more ad revenue because advertisers don't see your numbers grow. And you're not getting more streaming revenue because you're not either generating streams for the music or you're not getting monthly, you know, payments. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a impeding problem, right? Like it's getting more and more expensive. And then like we've talked about the, the economy is just pushing more down on it. Maybe if we were like in happy, you know, Spotify is only going upward momentum thing. We would maybe be able to be fine with this. Right. But it's not, Mm -hmm. we talked about on the show, all the investors are like, Hey, Spotify, where's our money? Like we, you, you've had your growth period. It's over. We want money now. And so here's my question. And Daniel Ike is like, oh, uh, go ask Google. Right. <laughs> Literally, go ask Google. Like, <laughs> that, that's what it is. And so Spotify seems to be, you know, caught in a crossfire here where they have, you know, they want to keep putting new songs on there because that generates streams and that generates new people to the platform and that generates people staying on the platform, right? They're, almost every streaming service is have the same catalogs on them, right? If Spotify all of a sudden didn't have certain songs on it, you'd be like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. And you'd probably change streaming if it was like your favorite band or something like that. But the point is, here's my question to you, Joe. In the vein of Twitter Blue, and the idea that like, let's say that music business worldwide, because they feel like as a publication, they need to be on Twitter. So they need to pay for Twitter blue. And so they have two factor authentication because they need to be on Twitter and they need to be secure. Do you think that Spotify should ask artists or T and or record labels or distributors for a fee to store their music on platforms? Like hmm. in the idea of being like, well, I... a fee, like I... a straight up, like, you know, in the same way that you would pay Google drive, right? Yeah. Being like, Hey, as a part no. of your distributor fee, it also costs 50 cents to put it on Spotify. I I think no, because they're making money off of your music. So that's, your that's, argument is because the it's because they are because they are exploiting your record, right? Which is mm-hmm. the literal industry term that because they make money off of it being a part of their service, they should not you should not have a fee. Yeah. At all. Because I think, I personally Because here's the thing. Spotify set up their business model like this. It's Spotify's issue. It shouldn't be thrown on the people keeping the ecosystem going. Like, it shouldn't be 
it shouldn't be the artist's uh, responsibility that Spotify run their business properly. And so it's, it's kind of this thing that's like, if, if they are truly hemorrhaging this much money from storage, then they need to be looking at options to bring the storage internally. And whether that mean creating their own server farms and staffing and stuff like that of, of, um, of, of data collection and, and all that, all that stuff. But they're in a very like precarious situation because that they have, they didn't think this far ahead because they've <laughs> it's been kind of what happened. They've been putting their, the, this very vital service because at the end of the day, yeah. Like I said last episode, Spotify is a technology company. It is a little bit absurd that as a technology company, you wouldn't be like, oh, yes, servers. Of course. We need yeah. to have our own servers. Like for it's, everything. It's, it's kind of like they should have had that ready to go. So, you know, I do believe, I or know least, there's a lot of industry practices of using, you know, other servers and web based things. Look at Amazon, right? Amazon's another great, you know, web based, put, you put your data here. That's a huge part of Amazon's business. Also, Google, you know, storing this information on secure servers and stuff like that. I, if I play devil's advocate for Spotify, I personally think there is a way they could get away with it. And it's because of, the relationship and third party of distributors that still exists. And I think they could get away with it. Um, now, do I think there will be a fit? Absolutely. But I think they could get away with having some sort of storage fee in the sense of maybe a one-time one, right? So mm -hmm. no artist directly uploads their music to Spotify. Nobody just sends their files off to, you know, www.spotify.com and they put it on. They all use distributors, either the record label themselves and their you know, distributor team, or if you're more DIY, you're using like DistroKid or CD Baby and stuff. So there's that third party there. That third party, other than driving cost, right, because they need to make money at the end of the day between the interactions of these two businesses. And, the, you know, they do a service. They make sure that it's distributed correctly. They make sure that your information's correct, all that kind of stuff. It's not like they do nothing and just collect money. I think that Spotify does, and other streaming services, again, this is not just a Spotify issue. This could be, this could be Google. This could be, you know, like Amazon Music, right? They could say, hey, we put your music on here for the rest of its life. We're going to add 50 cents to it. And they could push the cost mm -hmm. to the distributors. Now, are the distributors totally going to be like, oh, it's going to cost ten fifty for a song now instead of $10? Absolutely. They will just push that along the consumer. But there's kind of this shield, basically, that these distributors create for Spotify and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, the cost of distribution goes up. And mm -hmm. obviously you're going to have a war between the distributors who maybe would have this fee increase and they would fight with each other to be like, well, ours is actually 1025, not 1050. So come use us. So you have this amenity of people going, well, we know that Spotify did increase the, you know, made this storage fee, let's say. So we are mad at them. 
But I'm also mad mm-hmm. that CD Baby increased at 75 cents and DistroKid increased at 50 cents, right? And so there's kind of this third-party shield that I definitely think could be exploited and could be used. And we talked about it on the show, too, for a long-time listeners. Specifically, DistroKid, and C- uh, DistroKid is evaluated to be a $2 billion company, right? This is not just a small distribu- you know, distributor. They have money that mm-hmm. could be, you know, essentially shaved off. And then if I'm Spotify, I go, we can get a little bit more of that cut because we can go, hey, we need a storage fee from you now. Now, that's the other thing. I'm making this a direct-to-consumer model like, you know, hey, it's $10 plus a 50-cent um, fee for storage. What if they just went straight to the distributors? What if they said, hey, guys, we'll let you keep distributing and we want it, but we want your company to send us a flat storage fee for all this stuff we store, right? And they negotiated mm-hmm. just industry to industry. And maybe they'll find, you know, less deaf ears who, of people who understand technology and go, oh, that makes sense. You have a storage fee. Because at the end of the day, they do have a problem. Like, and I, it is very apparent. I don't think this problem is unreal. But yeah, the thing I wonder is all of this that I'm talking about is very flat, right? Like I'm talking about like if you upload a song, it's 50 cents. If you, you know... We have a deal with Spotify, maybe if I'm DistroKid or CD Baby, and we pay, you know, I don't know, we pay 30 grand out of pocket for a storage fee every year, right? Or something. Mm-hmm. That's not how storage works, right? <laughs> like, it stays on there forever, right? You, you don't see yeah. mass waves of songs going up. This would probably be a recurring fee if it was going to be anything, right? And that is where I think they would have the biggest hardship with artists is if that recurring fee went to actual consumers. If it stayed mm-hmm. in the industry between distributors and Spotify or, you know, distributors and Apple Music or distributors and Amazon, you know what I mean? I think maybe we could have this argument. But if a recurring fee randomly started appearing in everyone's, you know, cost of distribution or there's a cost to keep your songs on a different platform, holy crap. I think the amount of crap you would get for that is instrumental. And then my last question, which I want to ask you, Joe, is so we've seen it from both angles. It's like we store your stuff, you know, we can't, you know, because you want to put it up there. Maybe we have a recurring fee. Maybe you pay a one-time fee. That's cool. And they exploit it. Like you said, that's what they get out of it. They exploit your record, and they get money because people want to come stream. They like Spotify. Your favorite songs are on Spotify. Advertisers like more consumers on there. Cool. Let's go with the inverse instead of additive. What about subtractive? What if we started... What do you think if we started taking away songs that had zero streams? Right. Yeah. I mean, like there's like almost, well, I think, I Is think there the a problem time barrier? You, you run into that. Yeah. I think that the problem, I, cause I can see where you're, where you're saying like if uh, after like six months, if there's like no streams on a song, it could just get taken off to save data. I could see that being a thing. I'm also a bit hesitant cause it's like, I, I almost feel like there's a historical significance to this. Uh, of archival. Like keeping this data. Yeah. yeah. 
Which has and always so been I'm the thing like, with streaming is like everybody with stream, which is so funny because now TV has gone the exact opposite route. But that back in the day when people did not want to pay for streaming, that was a big thing is the push for streaming was, hey, everything will be on there always. And then look what HBO did. <laughs> you know what I mean? HBO mm-hmm. was like, we're going to cut all of this shit out and write it as a tax write off. What if Spotify did something like that? You know what I mean? What if Spotify said we made zero money off of 25% of music? We're going to write off 25% of music as an operating loss. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that. I wonder if they do that already. I wonder if they do too. And I wonder though, if like, you know, I, I, for HBO's case, for them to write off, let's say like one of the ones they wrote, they, they got rid of like close enough of like an animated show and a bunch of other animated shows. And they got rid of the Batgirl movie and stuff like that. Right. And they purposely had to keep it off streaming to write it off as a loss. So I don't know if Spotify could work like that, but I wonder, you know, what things on here, you know, what, where the rules for this would be insane. Right. Because like, let's say if I'm, Let's say I own an AI automated streaming company, right? And my job is that I want to put songs up there. And like we talk about a lot of the time on the show, I don't want to put it up there just for like, you know, necessarily maybe not even streaming. Maybe I just want to put it on Spotify so people can view it if I want to sell, try to sell sync, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, the, but it's a, and so it's on all these platforms so they can listen to it. And then I could sell it for sync, but it's not really for me to gain money on streaming, right? Which is a very common thing. One of the astute like uh, commenters on this music business worldwide thing said that the stat that they use is the ISRC data, which is that everything that has a code to register that it's a sound creation, which means that you could have like they write DJ loops, rhythm tracks, melodic tracks, production tracks, right? This isn't all like singer songwriter heartfelt music, basically. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if I was like an AI person, right? That was like, man, I just want to keep my catalog on there and then hopefully I can sell it to like League of Legends or like a movie company or something. You know what I mean? What if the number is just zero? What if I just be like, I'm going to make another AI that makes everything get listened to one time? You know what I mean? Like what that's yeah. one of there's a lot of exploits here. Does it have to be and then the more stringent they are, the more hard it's gonna be for consumers, I think, to face. Like, what if they made it ten? Then that's forty two percent of recorded music that's apparently out there, right? Mm-hmm. What if it maybe it's recurring? Maybe you have to have, you know, like a hundred listens of every three months. You know what I mean? Right? Like not even mm-hmm. my music right now. <laughs> you know what I mean? I put one song out just for fun and I like it up there and I tell people like I have a song, but I'm not trying to get famous. I just think it's fun. Um, you know, but like I I think it's fun to have it up there, but I'd be kind of like, man, that sucks. I just liked having my little artist song on there. I wasn't trying to make it. And big. then everybody floods into SoundCloud. Dude, literally, you might chance have the rapper something is like so that. happy. You yeah, like <laughs> literally, there could be a market if something like this happened for a place that's not like this. And that's what I wonder what the other streaming services would do, because I feel like the big time streaming services would probably blend together and go, yeah, we're going to make this an industry incentive. Like Google, Amazon, Apple, and Spotify are all going to go. We as a collective organization are going to start charging storage fees for all of this. Mm-hmm. 
But I wonder if we could maybe, I, I feel like that's how that would go. And I feel like maybe we would have that crosstalk. Maybe we would have a SoundCloud revival. Maybe Bandcamp would be even bigger than it's ever been. You know what I mean? And so I don't know, man. I, what, do, what do you think? Like, do you, what, what's your overall thoughts on this past that? Yeah, I mean, I think that it's, I, I can definitely see where it's like what you're saying of if if the burden is on the distributors, because like, to be honest, dist- distributors are making a good amount of money already. Um, so they could probably eat some of that cost before they start trickling it into the consumer level. But it is, to me, it's like, if they're if they're even if they're putting any kind of pressure on artists to pay them money, mm-hmm. uh, they're gonna have an uprising <laughs> because nobody likes streaming from an artist's perspective, anyways. Because there's so much bullshit that it's you have to deal with. Necessary evil, man. Like that's how everything. Yeah, I mean it. that's that is the thing. But like, there's also the the whole thing of like people deserve to get paid a livable wage, right? And so it's like, this is one of the main problems that we've run into with mechanical royalties of like the streaming payouts are so minuscule for artists that it's, it's you know, it, it's if they're creating more work, it's almost like what Instagram is doing to their platform of being like, you have to work for us full time for your content to be kind of seen. And oh, it's God, like, no, it's like insane. I would... I'd, I'd rather not do the, I'd rather not work for free. You know, yeah. I'd rather not pay my employer kind of, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's, that's something that like, I think that Spotify, Spotify's whole ecosystem relies on artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and if the good artists left and the AI artists stayed, nobody would listen to the platform. You know, I I mean, we've talked and about so, this too. I don't think AI is not at that point yet, you know? And at the end of the yeah. day, most recorded music that people I personally think have a huge emotional connection with will pay thousands of dollars to see these people live has mostly been created by human beings so far, right? Yeah. Not talking about the future, talking about right now, you know? So... Mm-hmm if there was a mass human exodus, but even at the same time, if there was an AI exodus, right? Like those people do pay distributors, right? The AI stuff does pay a distributor to get their stuff on there. So mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I, I honestly am kind of 50, 50 on this. I could see both ways of this argument. Um, but I do think that's what makes it an interesting argument and something that's an argument because you could argue both ways. And there is kind of merit, I think, to argue both ways. But at the end of the day, I, I'm arguing, should there be a fee or should there not be a fee? What we're not, what, what the nuance of it is, is where does that fee come from, right, at the mm-hmm. end of the day? And will that be pushed on to consumers? Will that be pushed on to artists? Will that be pushed on to distributors? Or will Spotify and the rest of those DSPs still absorb the cost? That is where it would have to be. But it seems to be a mounting problem, and with more economic factors at play pushing them to try to find places in their budgets to cut from, this seems to be the one with a more clear-cut example that's not just fire more people, right? So Mm. this is actually, hey, let's generate another revenue stream. So I don't know. 
and, and it's definitely something to watch out for, I think. And I, I, the music business worldwide is not the first I've ever seen this argument, but it's probably the most eloquent I have seen this argument put. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, Elon's dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, God, yeah. I still can't believe that. Um, join us for BizTape uh, Orange, uh, that, where you'll get the next uh, 10 minutes of Joe telling me what songs he listens to. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Snag a job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O.com. Uh, well, uh, welcome our premium fans to uh, Biz Tape Orange. Uh, it's uh, it's now on. Right. Um, if you haven't paid yet, uh, why are you here? <laughs> Go away. These are for VIPs only. If you're a business, BizTape Orange is three thousand dollars. Yeah, that's no, 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 call them. That's BizTape Cyan. Oh yeah, uh, for the businesses. Yeah, that's that's a different. That's a whole different podcast. <laughs> um, but to our uh, our BizTape uh, Orange subscribers, I've been listening to uh, the Art of Forgetting, which is an album by Caroline Rose, and yep. it is incredible. It is amazing. Uh, she has. Written, recorded, produced the entire record by herself. Um, I'm not sure the mixing situation. I think she might have bounced to a, like a mixing engineer um, uh, and probably a mastering engineer as well. But everything in the studio was, uh, I think, pretty much done by her. Uh, and it's crazy. It's like so visceral and uh, cinematic. It's like you're listening to like a movie soundtrack, but it's like very, it's just so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely, definitely think everybody should check uh, her out. And uh, also, uh, yeah, still listening to The Dare. Um, new single, Good Time, uh, which I said in an, a previous episode, but it's still a, a good go-to. And, of course, listening to uh, Tyler, The Creator because he actually had a music video come out. And I, I listened to the full record again. Um, Call Me If You Get Lost, The Estate Sale. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's very good. It's it's good. It's not... I don't think it's the best Tyler record, personally. Um, but it's very... It, it, he's got some cool songs on there, for sure. I think it's a little long, to be yeah. honest. I think it's too long of a record. It's 24 songs. It's an hour and it's 17 minutes. It's a long minutes. record, yeah. That's it's a, a long, long, long record. record. I think it's a little too long. Um, and by a little, I mean a lot. But <laughs> By a little, I mean a lot. It's He's got some crazy features on this thing. He's got fucking Lil Wayne on here. Domo Genesis. Pharrell. Pharrell. Vince Staples. ASAP Rocky. YG. 
Why are you it all like that? Um, DJ Drama? <laughs> God. Ty um, Dolla Sign? What's it? God, stop. Um, I've been listening <laughs> to... Uh, I, I found I'm bit, people know if you listen to the show, I'm a big uh, Jamaquai fan, and I found this song that's called Little L that I never heard about, but now I'm looking at it and it's like their second biggest stream song. Uh, it's very funky, you know, '70s pocket kind of stuff, you know, in the '90s, uh, which Jamaquai is known for. Sorry, go it's ahead. It's so funny they took off on Inst- or TikTok again, dude. So like just, I love it's so random. How ran- <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite thing about TikTok, and I think that's what makes it interesting. It's just like this random fascination with like eclectic music that just comes up. Um, yeah. I, 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 great, great track. If you've never listened to that or, uh, you know, Napoleon, give me, give me some of your tots. Um, anyway, uh, it, that's a reference. If somebody got that, I hope so. Um, Oh, I got that. Oh, thank you. Um, it's my so, favorite movie. <laughs> um, let's see what else I've been. Um, I've been, been kind of in a rut lately i'm not gonna lie um i need to branch Damn. out so, hey people send me some music i need to do one of those that's like one of my favorite things on my personal instagram uh call my smash if you want to follow me on there but uh biz tape follow that first because uh but the point is is i like to ask like people and i i encourage people if they haven't done this before it's pretty fun i say like send me a song just send me something you like you know what i mean um, and we'll, I'll just listen to it. Uh, I got a shout out actually to my friend, Ethan at work. He got me into this, uh, UFO by Jim Sullivan, which I talked about a little bit. I've been listening to that a lot. He went like missing in South America. I talked about this. Yeah. And then, uh, I, I also like the song, uh, come home, which is by the Lajidu sisters. Is how I pronounce that. It's, it, it doesn't have a lot of vocals and, uh, well, it has a lot of like non-verbal vocals, which it's pretty hard to carry a song without, with just like oohs and odds, but they do it pretty well. So there's your eclectic list this week. Um, Joe, anybody, uh, any messages for our biz tape, uh, orange, uh, listeners that uh, yeah, thank you guys so well, much for subscribing. If you're a regular listener, paying. you got to turn off yeah. now because this is just thank for you. the orange people. This yeah, is just, this is only orange. This is only for the orange check marks. Um, <laughs> so tell tell the orange check marks there. Yeah, I, I just I I want to appreciate you guys for paying the uh, the the small fee of uh, thirty thousand dollars a week um, to experience this with us. Uh, we know are, that we used to do this forever, for free, but like we yeah, want to yeah. want you to. You pay guys for are it not. Now. I just want to let you know, you guys are not suckers. Okay, it. You guys are cool. You're cool. You got a. You got an orange thing. Isn't that cool? And uh, you guys are. You people, guys, I want to hang out with you guys. If you listen to our first episode, we. Um, you're being forced into orange. We're just like, yeah, you're, you're just forced only people who it. listen to the for- first episode, which it, I think is about three people. If you tell us that you listen to the first episode, I am forced to write just, I carry an orange Sharpie with me and I'm just going to mark it right. He's going to use it. He's going to use and it. You're just going to be forced to have it. I don't care what you want. No matter how much you scream, it's going to go like Harry Potter style in the middle of your forehead. So people know. 
Guys, thanks for listening to the Biz Tape, your all things music, business, and media podcast. We sure do appreciate you out there. If you want to go one step further, follow us on our socials at the Biz Tape pretty much everywhere as well. Share it to a friend or rate us wherever you're listening to. Helps out the show so much. Anyways, guys, as always, feel free to hit us up. Feel free to look at our Instagram poll on Mondays. And as always, thank you so much for being here. See you next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.